Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. Coming right up, we have another episode of Board Gaming with Education. Before we get to the episode, I want to be sure to wish you and your family health and safety during this time. I really hope you're staying safe. I hope you and your family are staying healthy. I am trying to think of ways that we can help our board game with education community during this time. If you have any suggestions, I have some ideas of my own, just trying to process through them and see how I can figure out how to bring them to fruition over the next couple weeks. I know maybe you are listening to this and your school is closed at least for the next week or two. Our school is closed for a couple weeks, and and I want to hopefully try to provide something to our community during this time. So stay tuned for that. If you have any questions or any concerns, be sure to reach out to me. You can find me directly at podcast at boardgamewitheducation.com. So coming up, we do have a very cool interview episode, and we will continue with our regularly scheduled podcast releases. So if you are looking forward to those each week, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. We have a couple more interviews coming up for the rest of the season, so be sure to tune in every Monday for those episodes. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Board Game with Education. I am super excited to be here today to talk about a game currently on Kickstarter called Gladius. We're going to talk about the historical context for this game. And today, to talk about that with me is Alex and Victoria. They are the founders of Cat Quartet Games. And they're going to share a little bit about their game and talk a little bit about how that's educational. But before we get there, they have a fun story to share about how their uh, company got its name. Yeah. So when we were coming up with a company name, which is very, very difficult because, you know, once you pick something, you have to submit it to the government and that's what you're that's what you're stuck with. Uh, we came up with the name Cat Quartet Games. And part of it is because uh, Alex and I Though Alex is allergic to cats, we are big fans of Pusheen, which is uh, it's an internet cat from a little web series and also a sticker that's really popular on Facebook. So the joke is that Alex and I are the first two cats. And then my sister, Valerie, who does the graphic design, is the third cat. And then the fourth cat is this giant Pusheen that we have that takes up the size of an entire sofa. And that that's our team. I was a little confused when you said the Pusheen cat, but now that I had searched it online, it's uh, definitely an image I'm very familiar with, especially in Asia. I think it's a big like emoji sticker over there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. For people who can't remember wh- like what Pusheen looks like, it's like the gray, really, really round cat. <laughs> You're probably familiar with it. You just don't know it's called Pusheen, I yeah. think, is the, the thing. Right. Yeah, it's it's I mean, I would say it's the second most famous cat besides Hello Kitty, right? Hello Kitty's maybe the most famous. This might be the second. Yes, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So Alex and Victoria, you both have a game or you have a game through your company on Kickstarter. Can you give us a little bit about 
share a little bit about your background with us? Sure. So um, we have been working on this game for about three years. We are in a relationship. It's uh, we're recording this on Valentine's Day, so it's romantic. But we've been <laughs> we've known each other for nine years, and we've been together for six years. Um, and we have been developing this game for the past three years. We're like we still feel pretty new to like the whole board game and tabletop industry. Um, but since we started developing this game, we've gone to like many conventions and talked to many designers and met many great people in the pursuit of developing this game. And it's been a, just a wonderful experience for the both of us. Awesome. Yeah, I know when we originally chatted, one person you had mentioned meeting as a professor who uh, referenced your game in a paper. So I'm excited to kind of get into that topic and talk about that a little bit more. Uh, before we get there, we always ask our guests to share a time you've learned something through a game. Do you have a story or an experience about a time you learned something through playing a game? Oh, yeah, I have. I have lots of stories, but I think that the the most impactful story was when I was a kid, I used to play this video game called Harvest Moon. I used to check it out from Blockbuster and then play it on my GameCube. Uh, it's basically there were so many archaic words in that sentence. <laughs> I checked a game out from Blockbuster and played it yeah, on my, my GameCube. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and in the game, it's basically a it's a simulator for living a life on a farm. And, you know, I thought, oh, you know, it's a, you would think like it's a fun, it's a fun game. You know, you grow crops, you have animals, but the original Harvest Moon was actually kind of hardcore. And something that happened to me was uh, one of my, my cow actually got sick in the game. And because I, I wasn't proactive, I didn't purchase medicine for my animals ahead of time. And also because I left my cow out in the rain, that's the reason why it got sick. And so I had to go through this, uh, this like panic attack when I was a child trying to, trying to save my cow. But every single time I would re uh, go back to the beginning of the save file, my cow would die over and over again. And there was no way that I could save it because it took too long for, uh, my landlord to go back to the city and purchase medicine. And so, I had I discovered through the hundred days I relived that day that it was just impossible. And that experience was so real for me. And it taught me that the decisions that you make have impacts not just on you, but on other people. And it taught me the importance of making sure that you plan and that you're proactive for any situation and wanting to be prepared. And I think it really helped me because now in in my life, I'm I'm a producer at a games company, Wizards of the Coast. And before that, I was a management consultant. And one of the things that I'm really well known for is being well prepared for thinking ahead and for being resourceful. And I think it's because of playing games like Harvest Moon that this is the case. That's really awesome. It's a perfect story of how that translates over to your work, like your work experience as well. That's that's really cool. Some people uh, like to think like, oh, it's, you know, farming games are super easy and, you know, you don't learn anything from them. But you actually learn a lot because in order to maximize your output on the farm and live the happiest life you can, it takes a lot of planning and hard work to make that happen. And so I'm glad that I learned that 
through a video game and not through suffering in real life instead. <laughs> How about you, Alex? For me, I I feel like I've learned most everything I know from games, which is probably not a great thing. But like even playing like really uh, simple games like Freddy Fish or Pajama Sam or even like later, I think I really fell in love with history through games like I really liked uh, Rome Total War, Dynasty Warriors, any game that was set in, like historical settings where you actively play out um, history, like the Total War franchise as a whole, in case you're not familiar with it or people aren't familiar with it. It's like you take the setting of like a person during a time, either like the Sengoku Jidai or the Roman Empire or um, the Warring Kingdom states in China and you play as them. So it's not like you're reading from a textbook and it's like these are the things that happen. It's like you're playing as the character and you get to make decisions as the character and you kind of see through their eyes what history is like. And that really sparked my interest in, in history because it showed me like history could be this cool living thing that we can learn from and then apply to the modern day to learn better lessons as opposed to just like all these boring old events that happened and don't have any impact on us in the modern day. It's this cool, like evolving, changing thing to be interpreted and learned from. And I think games were the first place that really taught me that lesson. Yeah, that's super cool. And I know we talk about game-based learning or using board games in an educational context. And sometimes I get a bit jealous of the history teachers because there are so many cool historical games out there. Yeah, I think history is a really, I mean, it's a topic that games love to cover and I think are, are perfect to explore through games because it's it's so interpretive and so vast and there's so many interesting, cool narratives and stories running throughout history that I think it's the perfect setting to like learn history is through games. So I kind of want to follow up with both of your stories. Uh, Victoria, have you ever been interested in playing Farming Simulator then? I don't like the simu like pure simulator as much because the thing that's really important for me in games like Harvest Moon is, is the entire narrative conceit that you are living this life. Your, your, your parents passed away. They had this farm. You're taking it up from them. And you're, and you're trying to live a meaningful life. Um, actually, one of the most exciting parts of Harvest Moon is, is that you get to marry somebody. And so the process of making friends with the, the few people in the town and then eventually marrying somebody is one of the most exciting parts of the game. So you got to have farming <laughs> and a love life. A little bit of the fiction, too. And Alex, do you have a favorite historical game now? It's still probably Rome Total War 2. I think like the representation and the amount of detail that they put into creating that game was just uh, like it had a rocky launch, but um, the patches they've made since is just like every time I play it, I just have so much fun and enjoy playing it so much. Um, I think that's my favorite historical game what right now. What was the now? theme of that one? Rome, like the Roman Empire. Basically, it was set in like the... 500 bc around that time but yeah that that game is like probably still like tops the charts for me in terms of favorite historical games that's i guess that's interesting seeing how the game gladius is based off of that time yeah well, you can kind of <laughs> see the the <laughs> the line there right so i i want to get into gladius and talk about that more before we do though how did you guys get into deciding maybe first how did you get into realizing you like to play games together 
and then going into designing a game together? What happened was when Alex and I, well, so Alex and I had been friends for a long time. We've actually known each other since high school and we've both on our own always loved games. And when we first started dating, which was in college, we needed more activities to do together. And playing two-player games was actually one of the best ways for us to connect, right? Because you can you can only watch Netflix so many times, and uh, during the winter, it's hard to go outside. So from playing two-player games and then also wanting to play other types of board games with more people, that's that's what reignited our interest in tabletop games and then eventually got us to go on to wanting to design one. And did you come up with designing Gladius from the start or did you have a couple other designs before that? Um, so we went to like a conference for League of Legends where it was uh, run by Tribeca Games. So Tribeca Film Festival, they, they have another branch called Tribeca Games that's really about the art of creating uh, games. Uh, and we went to a conference hosted by them that featured League of Legends. And at that conference, we met Stone LeBrandy, who is the designer of Mechs vs. Minions and works for Riot Games. Um, and he really kind of encouraged us to just say, hey, if you want to design games, just start, you know, like make games out of playing cards and pieces of paper, you know, like little chips of cardboard. Like you can start making a game of anything. You just got to make it. So we made like a couple of different prototypes and... Um, one of them was Gladius, uh, and this was the prototype that when we had it in front of people, our friends, um, you know, people would bring over the house and be like, hey, play our weird board game, you know? Uh, they had, like, this joy in their eyes, and they were playing it, and this excitement. And um, so we were like, oh, this, is, this, this has something. There's something special about this game here. So that was really... Um, cause the other games, you know, people would play and be like, Oh, you know, that's, that's nice. But this was like the first game people wanted to play again. They had fun with it. They really enjoyed it. So that was when we decided, you know, we could really make this something like this has the bones to be maybe a really great game. Awesome. And I, I'm super excited to have you guys here to share a bit more about this game that I think our audience would find very appealing and interesting. What is Gladius? Can you give us just a quick overview what the game's like or what the theme is? Yeah, so Gladius is an award-winning game about betting on and rigging the gladiatorial games. And the way that it works is it takes place over the course of three different events. Uh, and an event card is revealed. For example, it might be a chariot battle. It tells you how many, uh, how many gladiators are competing and what stats uh, the event is. Uh, is judged on and then players each play a special character that have unique powers and they take turns secretly placing bets on the different gladiator teams to either win or lose and then each player has a deck of influence cards and players take turns rigging the events using these influence cards that are played either face up or face down and then once the phase of influence cards is done players play second bets and then you reveal who wins, and then the players, um, the the bets on the team in first place go on a first place podium card and score at the end of the game. And the bet tokens placed on the third place team go on the third place team. And if they placed a bet for that team to lose, those pay out. So that's how Gladys works. Really awesome, and it's currently on Kickstarter now as the release of this episode. So what? 
what made you come up with, or how did you come up with this idea? We know Alex loves the the Roman era, but how did it go into uh, gladiators? So it was kind of like a combination of two things. There was a, another board game called Council of Verona, um, which is a really cool board game about betting on uh, the Shakespeare um, play Romeo and Juliet. Um, and that game was really fun and enjoyable and was really quick to play. And we really liked that game between the two of us. And then we were making another game based off the video game Domino, which is about training up uh, gladiators and then having them fight. But we found that it was more interesting and more fun to be a spectator in the gladiatorial games and really feel that uh, that spectator aspect of ancient Rome than to be a gladiator in the arena fighting. Because there's a lot of games where you are the gladiators fighting, but there's fewer games where you're actually watching the gladiator fights and you're taking part by like cheering for your favorite gladiator or booing gladiators you don't like. And that aspect was really interesting to us along with the the betting and the the sabotage and the the spectacle of the whole thing. So when we though that was really where the idea initially came from and we kind of really liked that feeling and that setting and it resonated with a lot of people. And something you had mentioned to me an email and I find like super Interesting, and I'm also pretty passionate about this as well, is the idea that historical games can drive an interest in a topic or drive further interest in that topic. Why is that important to you? Maybe personally, maybe why is that important to us as a society? Why do you think that's important that games do? Yeah, we're really big fans of the idea of tangential learning. So the idea that instead of getting a player to play a game for educational purposes, you use a game as a medium for fun to inspire people to seek out education on their own. Um, So we are big fans of that in the games that we play, um, especially like historical games, because when you're playing a game and you have a character and like maybe the character says like, oh, Julius Caesar has this power. Right. And after playing the game is like, wow, that was really fun, like using Julius Caesar's power or um, and maybe you'll go and look him up and then you'll learn something about that character and maybe why they have that power. Um, and so like the idea behind tangential learning, I think, is really inspiring because it's a, it's a great way I like to learn because I, I think people have more fun when they're learning things they're a lot more passionate about, right? Like people can perfectly calculate their Gloomhaven stats, but say they're bad at math or, you know, people can draw a map of Azeroth, um, the World of Warcraft setting, but can't like draw a map of the Middle East, right? You're a lot more passionate about the things that that are fun for you. So we are big fans of making games that are fun but also have a lot of little details and i hesitate to call them easter eggs but like little uh things that we include in the game that might inspire people to go and learn more for example one a lot of a thing that happens in our game sometimes is um one of the events is a sea battle um so like a player will flip over that event and it'll be like oh a sea battle and they'll ask us like that seems kind of weird like why is there a sea battle in the coliseum and we get to have the fun chat of well actually during uh some some games they would flood the coliseum and recreate these massive sea battles uh in the coliseum themselves and people's eyes go wide they're like whoa that's so cool i didn't know that was a thing that 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 happened that existed and and that sort of moment of learning um, is really fun to see and that person will probably go home and like look up you know 
ancient Rome sea battles, you know, and then maybe from there they'll learn other things about ancient Rome and ancient Roman society. So we're really big fans of promoting that. And we see a lot of people who enjoy learning in that style. And we think it's a great way to uh, teach people about, in this case, ancient Rome, but in other games, other different topics. I mean, that's super cool. I, I, I did not know that. So I just learned something new today. There you go. See? <laughs> so how important is the research when creating a game with this historical context? I mean, your game is based in a, I guess, a real world setting, but I'm assuming there's some fictional narrative you add to it, maybe? I'm not sure because I, I haven't had an opportunity to play, but... Oh, yeah. How do you how important is the historical context? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So our our philosophy behind um, the historical parts of the game were generally inspired by history, but not historically accurate. Right. Um, So something so things within our game are inspired by real historical things. Um, And we're hoping that by making them seem more fun and approachable, uh, we can maybe bring in an audience that might have seen Roman games or or Roman material presented to them in a very like stuffy and old and classical and historical context. But maybe if it's presented in a more fun, in a more, um, in a lighter context, that might spark an interest in a different audience that might not have been interested in ancient Rome in the first place. So uh, a lot of our, we did do a lot of research. Um, we actually, during the course of developing this game, we, we got, went to Rome. We went to Rome, yeah. <laughs> and we visited like the Gladiator Museum and we visited the Colosseum and we we learned a lot about like the history of the Roman Empire, uh, the history of gladiators, what real uh, gladiators were like, the conditions of the, the gladiator schools, um, the diversity of gladiators that existed, that gladiators came from all over the Roman Empire and you'd see all walks of life uh, assembled in the, the gladiatorial games. So we, we, we learned all that and we took all that in and used that to inspire us to create um, something that we think is a very compelling representation of um, not real Rome. We call it fantasy Rome behind the scenes, but um, that's kind of the way we see it. And the reason we pitched it that way is because we first and foremost wanting to wanted to make something that was very compelling and fun to draw people in. And then secondarily, we want to make sure things were interesting and accurate to make people want to learn more about the subject. That's super awesome. I think some game design teachers are going to like to hear that you actually went to Rome to learn a bit about your your topic before you started designing the game. I think that's super important. It's like writing as well. You write what you know. You kind of have to really know your topic if you're going to make a game about it. So you also mentioned that a history professor had referenced your game in a paper. Why was that the case? It was... It felt like something out of a dream, right? Like you make a game about ancient Rome and then an art history professor reaches out to you and says like, hey, I found your game and I'm interested in in writing about it for my research. And um, actually, Alex, you remember more about what he said. Oh, yeah. So um, the main thrust of uh, his paper, um, his name is Seth McCormick. He's also a a game designer as well. But um, he wanted to talk about diversity and inclusion uh, in history expressed through the theme of board games. Uh, So one thing that 
we feel is underrepresented in games about the Roman Empire is the diversity of the Roman Empire. Like Rome spanned from Spain to the Middle East, from the top of the English Isles all the way down to sub-Saharan Africa, right? Like Rome was a big place and it was a lot of different cultures and a lot of different peoples uh, mixed. And we wanted to really represent that in our game and then show people a different side of Rome as opposed to just like, you know, these great generals and men and soldiers and Roman legions that you typically see in in Rome-based games. So uh, we want to showcase a wide variety of body types, ethnicities, um, men, women, uh, all of these people within the Roman Empire. And one point that he mentions in his paper that um, I didn't even realize about our game, but um, he saw was that it is a game that focuses on the spectator. Um, oh, you yeah, have a I quote. Feel, I feel like this quote, this is just a wild quote. He said, <laughs> I find that the majority of board games set in ancient Rome adopt a very limited perspective by focusing on war or politics or both, reinforcing the traditional view that history is a story of great men, i.e. rulers and generals. It occurs to me that Gladius, by emphasizing the importance of spectacle in ancient Roman society, the players are not gladiators in the arena, but spectators placing bets, shifts attention to the agency of the masses as the people whose consent actually mattered the most in securing the stability and longevity of the Roman empire. So that was way deeper than we, like we're, you know, we're making this game and we had like, it, it was basically, we wanted to do a different take on, on ancient Rome because most of the time, like Alex mentioned, ancient Rome is, you know, buff gladiators with abs and you don't see their faces and they're fighting or it's a bunch of, you know, emperors and stuff and politics and it's really focused on great men as opposed to focusing on the people in Rome and I I'm really happy that we got to hear this from this professor that he was able to see that in our game we can only value from those different perspectives right there's there's no it's not taking away anything by having those other perspectives and that's really important so you can find the that quote on your Kickstarter page, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And we have the link to the to the to the paper "Meaningful Decisions," or actually, what's the full title? Oh, Meaning- "Meaningful Decisions: Diversity and Inclusion in History-Themed Board Games." Perfect. So awesome. So if anyone's listening, they can check out that link in the quote on your Kickstarter page. That's correct. Yep. Before we move into the final segment, I want to ask you one thing. If a teacher or an educator is listening to the show now and they are on the fence about adding the game to their collection, maybe why would they want to add Gladius to their game collection, their classroom set of games? Maybe you can reiterate a point you made or you have a new point that you want to share. I think Gladius is a really special game because uh, we actually... I actually demoed this game at Game School Con a couple of weeks ago, which is a gaming convention in Irvine, California, focused on families who homeschool their kids and teach them through games. And while showing this game to them, lots and lots of families and their children loved this game. And they said that, you know, they've played a lot of games, but they hadn't really experienced anything like it. And part of what makes Gladius so special is that it has this combination of a betting mechanic, which is something that some people get turned off by because betting is usually associated with gambling. But it, we, like, we took this 
we took this betting mechanic, took it away from the gambling setting, brought it into this game as a way to facilitate a more interesting deduction and bluffing game, which is the heart of Gladius. So Gladius is really easy to learn. It plays well from two to five players. It's a new game every single time because it's based off of bluffing and deduction. So the people that you play with will really impact how the game goes. And it's, and if you're on the fence, it's also won awards. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I am definitely sold. So I'm going to be backing it here. Thank you, Alex and Victoria. Thank you again. We're going to go into our final segment and that's a thumbs up, thumbs down, quick fire round. So I'm going to give you some statements and you'll give me a thumbs up because you like it or a thumbs down because you don't really care for it. And then a brief reason why. Okay. Ready. So we're going to start with the first one since we are recording on Valentine's Day. Cooperative two-player games. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Well, I think that cooperative games are actually underappreciated you know a lot of times board gamers have a tendency to be very competitive and so they'll say i don't like cooperative games because you know i could just play this game by myself why do i need other people but i think that uh there are a lot of interesting things happening in the cooperative game space especially the cooperative two-player game space like for example i know there are some uh, like mobile game uh, mobile escape room games where they make it so that each person actually has to participate in order to achieve the goal and i hope to see more things like that in board games because teaching you how to problem solve with other people rather than just on your own is something that's very helpful and also something that can be a lot of fun totally agree (laughs) awesome so the next one gaming during the week Thumbs up. <laughs> Is there any other time to game? Oh, I guess oh, on the weekend. weekend yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Play games any day of the week. All the time, nonstop. I don't know. We we play games like all the time, so it's it's hard for us to thumbs down that one. I, li- I literally work in a gaming company, so <laughs> all day. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a day job thing. Virtual reality games. Oh, that's tough for me. I'm trying to think of like good one. Well, that's like... Mm, I mean, I'm going to give it a thumbs up just because mm-hmm. I know um, I heard this really touching story mm-hmm. about um, my coworker. He has a he has a son and uh, his he basically his grandfather lives in Canada and he lives here in Seattle and um, they can they use virtual reality so he can use virtual reality to watch what the son is playing on the PS4. This was a functionality I had no idea that it had, but um, he really enjoyed the like um what's the word for accessibility of VR where you can just put it on and you kind of get it. Like you don't need to learn buttons or controls. Um, And I feel like the VR space is very cool and we're just scratching the surface of it. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up because I'm optimistic for its future, even though it doesn't personally have anything that appeals to me right now. Yeah, I think I, I feel similarly. I think that we're in the, we're in the early days of VR and there haven't really been any breakout games that have been truly transformative or impactful. And so once they do start coming out with those games, though, I'll be excited to play those. Yeah, I think it's going to I think it's going to get pretty crazy here in a few years. 
All right, and the last one, secret trader mechanics in board games. So if anyone's not familiar listening, that's when someone is against the rest of the team, but they're working as secretly as part of the team. I want to give secret trader mechanics a thumbs this is like betrayal. Yeah. Right. Well, betrayal. So it's it's a, it's a, this is a, this is a complicated question because um, my my issue with secret trader mechanics it is most games are not designed well enough where if the trader does not know how to play the game um, the game becomes not fun because it heavily relies on the trader to be a worthy adversary in order to facilitate the rest of the game's enjoyment. Um, some games get around this, like Betrayal, you don't know who the trader is until a certain point, so the trader doesn't have to work from the beginning. Um, other games are designing around this. I think it's like a very complex and difficult thing to design around, um, but I would give it a thumbs up because when executed well, it can be very fun. Um, especially in games where there may or may not be a trader. I think those are very fun, like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Sometimes there is a chance there is not actually a werewolf, and I think that's a very cool mechanic. So overall, thumbs up, but with the caveat that it is very difficult to pull off well. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It It is pretty stressful. Well, like, for example, in those games that you mentioned... Bef like before I played them multiple times, I would always sweat. I'd be like, oh no, I hope I'm not that person mm -hmm. uh, because I don't want to go through reading the rule book or having to remember what it is that I have to do where like the whole game depends on you doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it correctly, then it's, um, then it'd be, then it doesn't go well. That actually happened when we were playing uh, Betrayal Legacy. I, I, uh, I was the traitor and I did something incorrectly at the end of the game. And so it it does have the opportunity to create some some feel bad moments. But I am glad that it exists because it it is something that is interesting to have an experience. Awesome. All right, Victoria and Alex, thank you again for being on the show and sharing a bit about your game Gladius. If anyone's listening and they want to reach out to you or find your game where might they do that? Yeah, so we're on all social media platforms as Gladius Card Game. And we're also on Kickstarter from February 18 through middle of March. And then my Twitter is my name, Victoria Kanya, C-A-N-A. And then Alex is... I'm at Alex Uboldi, U-B-O-L-D-I. Awesome. Thank you guys again for being on the show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games, or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.